Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined as always by Ryan, following Everton's riveting nil-nil draw at Villa Park against Aston Villa. It would have been had Villa been able to win uh, Villa's first double over Everton for the first time since 2000. Avoided that. Same as the West Ham match. Avoided a league double. Did not avoid it against Newcastle. Sorry. Sorry. That was not. You really had to do that, Ryan? No, it wasn't even in the script, too. Went off script. That was a mistake. Sorry. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, had Aston Villa won, again, did not happen. Would have been the second shortest gap between one side beating another in Premier League history. 12 days after Arsenal beat Bolton twice in the space of three days in January 2010. So this draw leaves Everton eighth in the table, level on points with Spurs. Uh, two points behind West Ham in sixth, four points behind Liverpool. So still opportunities here, Ryan, but a frustrating draw. And uh, yeah, it's just hard not to feel a little bit deflated after that. What's your what's your instant thoughts following? Yeah, and we'll get into kind of how the, the match played out, but certainly was an opportunity to take three points. Um, we'll talk about the lineups in a second too. I think that posed an even greater opportunity in particular against this side as they were somewhat toothless. You're looking at the table and I mean, we need at least two wins, I would think, and some help. Uh, the problem is seven points from, you know, starting the beginning of today. Well, if we get two more wins, we get six points that puts us up to 62. The problem is if Spurs gets two, oh, they only need two wins out of the last three They've got a much better goal differential from us. I don't know. Carlos said after the match that he thought we needed to win the last three. Um, he might be right. I hope he's yeah. not. Um, but look, certainly to be comfortable, have any like comfortable chance. Otherwise, we're going to need a lot of help. Certainly we need two wins, though, to really be in the discussion about anything and some help. Um, yeah, look, it, we're not dead. You know, I guess that's one thing to be said. And it, it wasn't that tragic on the field, uh, although it felt like it at times, just just a missed opportunity. I think that's my take. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Look, I, I thought, especially in the later stages of the match, we did try to at least go for it. But given we the uh, shortages for Villa personnel-wise, it really did feel like this would have been a really great opportunity. But I can't say I'm surprised because how many times this season have we let opportunities like this slip. So um, to me, I mean, this is a strong lineup selected by Carlo for the most part. We've finally got Decore back um, goes with kind of like the back, the five defenders, essentially again, Dean Coleman playing out wide with Holgate uh, Keen and Godfrey, obviously no Yuri Mina due to his injury last match. Very unfortunate. I think he probably would have helped us out a little bit today. Um and we have uh, also Tom Davies getting dropped, of course, for Decore. So, look, I mean, on paper, that's a pretty strong lineup. Basically, the only major guy missing is James. But some interesting, I think, continuing selection decisions made by Carlo, namely the inclusion of one certain Icelandic gentleman, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about 
as if we haven't enough already talk about more uh, later on, but really, I mean, on, on paper, that's a decent lineup. And especially when you compare it to Villa who are missing really some very key players. And that's also why no one in the score prediction in the discord picked zero, zero. Oh, wait, no, let me check that. OG show got it right. Right. He picked it zero, zero. You get nothing. He predicted it in like the 86th, 87th minute. So, which is kind of how I, I mean, it's how I felt about the match at that point too, though. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But, uh, we'll give him the shout out, but it's really not deserved, but you know, it's a good bit to, to call this court prediction, uh, basically at, at the full-time whistle. Again, it's not that Gilfie is the worst player in the world, but I think in the setup and when we look at how we were deploying players, I don't get it. Um, Again, I just think he's basically a set piece merchant at this point. And I appreciate his tactical awareness on defense, but it wasn't really required today. And, and yeah, I was disappointed. The second I saw the lineup go up, I just I just think Carlo's a little bit too enamored with some of the things that Gilfie provides. And I thought it I thought more so than maybe any other match this year, it really played out on the pitch. Um, but anyway, we'll get to that in a second. Villa had a similar lineup as last, but when Watkins goes out because he got that second yellow on the dive, um, it's good to see them hand out a dive again today too. Beautiful. On, on Traore, right in the 43rd. We'll, we'll get into the timeline in a second, a little bit. I, I think you've got Ross Barkley playing in the 10 and he's a little unpredictable, but Sanson's out. Grealish is finally making the bench. So he comes on the bench and you're thinking, all right, let's get up on these guys because I don't want to have to deal with that guy later, even if he's probably not fully fit. But without Watkins, I mean, basically they played Keenan Davis, 23-year-old that hasn't played more than 45 minutes in any, in the league all season. So you know, Wesley is, is come back too. He's not ready. I actually think he's a decent player. So where's the attacking threat coming from, you know? El Mohamedy is not going to come off the bench and provide a giant spark, you know, and, and so who do they really have? That's going to come in there. I mean, basically you've got El Ghazi on one side, Traore on the other, who likes to cut inside on his left and he can be a little bit of a handful, but without Watkins up top and look, they're not going to try the same ridiculous diagonal balls all match. Like they did last time. Clearly right. Carlo is no dummy. So, you know, we're going to take away that. So I, looking back on it, looking at that fairly toothless lineup, I think that makes you a little more, a little more aggravated and then just take a quick peek at kind of how we set up. I mean, the lineup's one thing, but it looked like we were defending again in four, four, two with Gilfie out left. Um, I, the attacking shape was, I mean, Holgate was kind of stuck back. So I don't want to call it like a four, two, three, one exactly. Um, but with those three guys, Holgate kind of pinning back a little bit, Coleman pushed up higher, Dean pushed up higher, Gilfie in essence sliding into the half space, although I think he was supposed to be a little more central than that, and eventually did get in there. I don't know if that was just lack of his own pace to get there. Uh, they were really compact, though. Villa was very compact, you know what I mean? Um, Mings and and Wakanza were in the back, and they were really kind of pushed together um, and didn't give us too much. Um, but there was still just mad to me. Tactically, what I saw was massive gaps in between our center forwards and our midfield. And, you know, you saw everyone arriving, even when we did get the ball out wide to Dean, who I thought was good today and provide a decent service. You had the two center forwards and no one behind them until very end of the match where he started to push people up. I don't know what you saw, but that's kind of, that's kind of how I looked at it. Yeah, it, it was interesting. Obviously like, we saw last match Tom Davies in there and, and gave Allen a little bit of license to roam forward. It seemed like with DeCorey in there, they were a little more conservative. And then you've got Gilfie who God bless him, but really just not going to offer a whole lot in that area. So you're right. It did feel like even when we were able to get the ball wide in dangerous areas, there was, there weren't a, a great deal of options. 
uh, in the box, we did try firing a lot to find Calvert-Lewin. I thought we did a maybe better job of that. This match, at least trying to get him opportunities to win the ball in the air than we have recently, but for all kind of for not in the end because none of them were very high in quality. Um, but, you know, you look at the, the distribution of, of how we attacked and it was mostly down the left, unsurprisingly. Yeah. Uh, really leveraging Luca Dean. And despite the fact that he, you know, picked up that knock and was able to carry on. Fortunately, it just feels like we are really missing uh, one Hamas Rodriguez to kind of piece things together in the attacking third, because it's not like it, we, we talked about it last match, right? Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison are not really going to play that type of, uh, they don't really play off each other, I guess is the best way to put it there. They seem to be very narrowly focused on doing things individually and not, uh, you know, exchanging the ball making runs in behind and, and creating for one another i think they were playing okay off each other with dom in the air and receiving and possessing yeah. the ball so we did win the ball a couple times in advanced areas but if there's no support what are you going to do right and um but yes on the break you don't see quite the interchange that maybe you would like i didn't see any blatant examples of richarlison not passing today no. at one time maybe could have played him in but we had a side angle so it's really hard to play he may have had a couple players in a round of him in fact richarlison actually passed the ball pretty well today and was successful in creating for the help of others but yeah i mean we attacked a little bit more down the left side um not much down the right because coleman was maybe a little bit withdrawn in fact Seamus didn't really get many touches at all today he had a couple early that looked um possibly creating something but never really came out shame it's not the best at delivering from wide villet says attacked more from the left side than the right but I, I didn't really see that it seemed like they kind of went on either wider areas they did win some battles early and i think that that had us a little bit pinned back at times but eventually as we grew into the match there really wasn't as much of a threat so you were kind of waiting for us to step up and be a little more aggressive it really didn't happen till the second half i think then you look at the shot distribution i know that's like one of your favorite kind of graphics and, and yeah. statistical analysis elements. It looks pretty good for us, really. Yeah, this is the second match in a row where I think we've we had t today we had 21% of our shots from inside the six. And I think last match it was about the same. So getting a decent proportion of our shots in really dangerous areas, but nothing to show for it. And 50%, uh, which brings, you know, 61% total inside the 18. So not really trying a whole lot from distance. Meanwhile, 71%. 71%. Excuse me. Yeah, 71%. Yeah. My addition is uh, on the spot and not great, but uh, Villa <laughs> had no shots in the six yard box, 54% from inside the 18 and 46% from outside the box, almost half their shots really not with a not high percentage looks as we would say. Um, it, it, and that's what, again, it makes it all the more frustrating that and, and the chances we created weren't phenomenal, but anytime you're that close to goal and you've got a chance to score, you'd think you'd at least get a little bit of the rub of the green. Yeah, I still think, though, this is an example, and we said this before we got on the pod, of a little bit of a recency bias because I think we came on so strong from about the 75th minute on um, that maybe we we kind of forgot, maybe we just wanted to race for memory uh, some that, of the early moments. That. No, it, it's part of it. I mean, so let's get in the timeline a little bit. So the first half, I mean, they had 58.5% of the ball, six to four in shots. They had five corners. We didn't have a single one. So, again, I, I understand that Carlo – 
thinks it's okay to control the game without possession at times. And I think that's meritous. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I have an issue with is you still got to create from that. And we weren't doing that. I, I think we were wasteful with the ball. We just didn't attack with a whole lot of precision. There were some opportunities. We didn't really get shots off. Um, that being said, neither did they. I mean, the only shot they had on target the whole half was a pretty tame attempt by Traore in the 11th. Probably should have done better with it, to be perfectly honest. It was on his left foot. Um, Richarlison had a decent chance in the 34th with his left foot that he that he sent wide. That was a decent chance, but not a lot really going on in the first half. Uh, loved, like we said, the booking on Traore for the blatant dive in the 43rd. But there were some injuries and some people going down. There was a very strange sequence there in like the 44th where everyone just fell down. Like I felt like it was like recess in kindergarten when everyone like all fall down and so people laying around the, the Rosie Ryan. Yeah. I mean, what yeah. was going on, man? It was crazy. There were three different people down at one point. Uh, and the only sub that happened was Matthew Cash went off, even though Matthew Cash really took a crack at Dean. I don't know how I feel about that play in particular. I think he's just being aggressive. I think if an Everton player does it, you're kind of like, yeah, good for you. It wasn't as bad as the McGinn shot or attempted elbow on a lawn in the first half, which I did not care for, but nope. um, I, I, I think you just kind of let that one go. But do we think that's what hurt cash? It looked like it. And this was a weird play because the ball was kind of, uh, it, it looked like cash would have it easily. And Dean puts together this really impressive sprint to close down and he ends up just a little short and cash clears it and kind of goes through the ball and, and through Dean, um, which, which was a, looked like a bad knock at the time, luckily. And, and he was like uh, having a hard time moving after to say the least, didn't look like he was super comfortable, but of course was able to carry on. I don't have too much of a problem with that. And obviously cash came off worse for wear. So uh, in hindsight, it's not that big a deal. I, I didn't look too much into it. it seemed kind of like a 50, 50 ball situation to me. I like Cash too. I think he's a good player. Um, also, Ryan, you can't call him Matthew Cash. It's Matty Cash. Didn't I call? Like did gotta, I call him Matthew? Well, it says that in our notes because that's what uh, who's. <laughs> did I write that? That's pretty funny. Yeah, it's Matty Cash. Matthew I mean, Cash. Yeah, exactly. Like, no I feel like way. he should Matty be back Cash. up to Johnny Football. You know, somewhere playing exactly. quarterback in the SEC, right? I think we like said you that can't before. have the last name Cash and not have like a cool first nickname type thing. He's good. On. I mean, he, what they picked he him up good. for like 15 million in the off season. I really like that would have been a very interesting acquisition. He can serve a ball too. Um, I, I almost feel like at times he's almost wasted on Villa because they don't get him up in dangerous areas too much, but I shouldn't slight Aston Villa. They were missing some guys today and really without Grealish, this team is just not, not the same. Um, so look, we're sitting at halftime at zero, zero, not much creation on either side. They've outshot us a little bit. They've had the ball more. Carlo had to set, sit back and say maybe he got it wrong. I, I just have some issues with the team selection here. The way it played out to me was I don't know if Gilfie just had trouble anticipating wise or just pace wise getting into position to spring the counterattack or at least hold the ball. We know he's not the best at making himself available. His movement isn't great. I just don't know how you fix that. I mean, it seems to me, it seems to me, and I'm going to quote Mark Christopher on this one at Mark C856. I always love to think how Bernard could make a difference. And in this particular instance, you've got a player playing left mid, playing a little bit behind the ball, and then playing mostly in the half space. Now, again, maybe Carlo wanted him to get more middle. And I think he did make an effort to get more middle from about the 35th on. Uh, I saw Gilfie get some touches, too, in more of the middle of the pitch. But, man, isn't that a tailor-made position for someone like Bernard or a Wobie? I mean, that's exactly where they play. Bernard is a clear half space player. Alex is very comfortable in that role. And, and... Bernard's not the worst defensive player, even if he's not massively physical, 
or put Awobi over there to run around against Matty Cash. I, I just, to me, Hamas, how can you have watched the last several matches and not seen that we are dying for someone that can hold the ball, carry the ball a little bit, run with it, get just an, an extra second or two to allow our forwards to make a move or allow both Coleman and Dean to get forward. I just, it wasn't there today. Gilfie might as well have been a ghost in the first half other than set pieces. It, I can't be the only one thinking about this. Is it the tactics? Are we just using Gilfie wrong? I, I don't think that you can't argue with the defensive shape when you're only giving up two shots on target. Yeah. Look, I think, I think a lot, it was very important for, for us to kind of maintain our defensive shape, which is why he went with the five defenders in essence, even though he wanted those guys, Coleman and Dean to get more forward to answer the question. I can't understand. I know. I, I don't think it has anything to do. What he sees in Gilfie other than set pieces is in, I guess like the abstract leadership qualities, quote unquote, that, that make him supposedly so such a good teammate, which very well may be true, but you have guys who fit naturally into that exact role, as you said, that you're refusing to play. And yet you're trying to shoehorn this guy in there who clearly isn't a good fit. And so I think we've all learned at this point that Gilfie may, may very well be a useful player for certain teams and certain systems. But if you're even on his best day as a number 10, like he's limited in how effective he can be. And so if you're going to put him in a different position, if you're going to try to play him in that half space, I guess he just doesn't believe in the other guys. Doesn't believe in Bernard or a Wobie, even though he brought a Wobie on for Coleman later on in the match. Why wouldn't you? Alex Wobie hasn't played in his natural position once this season. And look, I know everyone wants to hate on him and fine, but at least he's a natural fit for that role as is Bernard. So we haven't seen Bernard in God knows how long. Uh, what, what would have been different had we had that type of more agile talent willing to take guys on and, uh, contribute on both sides of the ball. It just feels like anytime Gilfie gets the ball, it's either a very easy back pass um, or he's just very immobile. So it's hard for anyone to to play off of him or to kind of into, for him to move, like do a give and go. Like I saw him try to beat someone off the dribble today and just so predictable and easy to stop. Yeah, especially when a team's sitting back behind you as well, too, right. once we finally did possess it. He had one decent through ball to Richie, but th that's what he's good for, basically, the whole match. I think another tactical shape would have been play Davies deep. You know, play him deep and then push Alon into Corey up more. Um, you know, CG at groomer underscore 99. He was, this is in reference for DeCorey playing 90 minutes, you know. Um, it will take time to come back. However, I don't know if 90 minutes was necessary. Tom Davies did nothing wrong on the weekend. It's hard to ignore that Tom Davies is playing decently well for us. Now, look, I don't trust him as much as maybe some others. I'm not totally bought in on the Tom Davies train, but he has played better and he has shown the ability to at least keep the ball a little bit about the only bad performance he's had is the Brighton match. And frankly, in his defense, he had no other center mids to team with. And he's, it's a tough team to play against. They were pushed up on us and put a lot of pressure on us. I, I could see that being successful at this point. Gilfie is creating so little from open play, surely pushing a lot, pushing a lawn and decory up higher. I mean, they would create equally as much and probably be allow us to pressure more, uh, yeah. which might result in some things. I don't think Villa is the greatest at playing out of the back. I mean, uh, Louise is decent in the back. I mean, but it pushes him back farther now. And it's not like McGinn's going to carry the ball forward and Grealish isn't there. So surely Ross Barkley is going to run with the ball. We know he doesn't do that anymore. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know. I, I think the other thing is too. So, so Phil Addy, MVP at Phil Addy, um, made this comment, switch to a diamond with Gilfie atop top instead of a flat four. Yes, he should be able to, but he can't. So either move him central or don't play him because we are lacking any creativity on the middle high, too predictable, just putting the ball out wide. So I agree with that. Here's the problem with that, though. If you're going to defend in a 4-4-2, are you now putting Gilfie up as one of the two right. and moving Richarlison to the left? Well, how the heck can you expect then Richarlison to run up forward and be one of the two? I mean, the transition, it's just too far, right. too There's much running. That- you need some sort of fluidity in the shape and yeah. you can't have guys like completely swapping positions. Basically you can have them shift and, and change, but you can't like, yeah, you, you now we're going to, Oh, we lost the ball. Okay. Now we're Charleston's going to come out. Why Gilfie's going to, it just doesn't really make sense, but yeah, it, it is that the difference between the offensive shape and the defensive shape that seem to force guys like Gilfie into these awkward positions where they're maybe not super comfortable. Do you think it's also a situation because Andy Watt, at Water Wild World made this comment. I think it's interesting. Has to rotate a little with the schedule, I guess. I imagine Bernard is gone if he's not even using him now. His comment, too, I think is interesting because this this fixes your defensive shape issue. Would still put Richie on the right over Awobi. You saw the way he spun Mings, how direct and dangerous he can be there. If bringing Awobi on, bring him on left wing. I mean, Awobi was bought very specifically to play left wing in a 4-3-3 or push Gilfie at the 10 in a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1. To me, Richie's not scoring right now. I I mean, I get what Andy's saying. I I don't know if I do it because you still have the issue where you're going to play Richie more narrow and that's fine. Who's going to take the wide space at right back? Now you're going to ask Seamus to go up and down as a right back. And I don't think Carlo's comfortable with that either. Look, we know we have holes in the side. We don't have a true right wing and a right back. But I will say this, it does give you another guy out there that can run with the ball and dribble a little bit in Alex Awobi. I, I don't think it hurts you defensively. I, I don't know. I'm curious your take on that. Surely, yeah, the Bernard is. But again, Carlos, the one that wanted Bernard to stay. So what That's is he what, seeing? For, I don't get that either. Yeah, it, clearly he wanted him to stay for depth. And like we we don't have much depth. And so the fact that these guys still can't even scrape and match. The fact that Josh King, I mean, he's not going to displace Calvert-Lewin or... Nope. Um, regardless in, in the front two, but to not even bring him on maybe as a sub late. And, and I agree that it's very, it's an, it's an indictment on either Carlos judgment or Bernard's performance and training that he can't get near. He's on the bench every week and nowhere near a substitute appearance, nothing there. So I, I would like to see Richarlison on the right because when remember when he first came in under Silva, he was playing on that right wing yeah, and doing yeah. fairly well. And, you know, he can play across the front three, I wouldn't say the same for Alex Iwobi. Yes, he can play across the front three, but if you play, given the opportunity to play on the left, it could be a totally different picture, very different player. I think Richarlison is probably more two-footed um, and has obviously more of a knack for scoring goals so he can still kind of cut inside, whereas Iwobi definitely wants to get more in the half space and, and create those opportunities. But I could see, you know, Iwobi cutting into the half space, playing balls with Charleston far post, looking to play off one another. But it is, look... Well, guess who we haven't mentioned? Because let's get into the second half. And yeah. who we actually subbed for Gilfie was, I thought, just totally fascinating. So, look, the second half was a lot better later, but it didn't start that way. I mean, just like we saw last week. I mean, we saw the same thing. 45th minute to about the 70th. In this case, the 75th. We just conceded the ball the entire time. It looked like we didn't have a great plan. Uh, either that or we had just a more defensive plan, and this was intentional. Villa had 64.6% 
50% possession and outshot a six to four from the 45th minute to the 75th minute on. I mean, El Ghazi had really their only second shot on target. So I'm not saying these are great quality chances, um, but a couple of the subs did change the game. Ross Barkley goes off in the 65th. I mean, Hummus. This is a shell Stinker. of the player we saw. I am so tired of people getting on Twitter saying Ross Barkley could do a job for us because they think he's this swashbuckling, running with the ball, shooting and scoring with two foot type player he is. He's not anymore. The guy thinks he's Pirlo. I mean, he loves sitting and being all finessey with the ball and creating yeah. and sitting back. And he's he's killed any aspect of the player we saw that really made him a very special player going forward. Uh, it could be just he's done his hamstring so badly he can't play like that anymore. But it 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 makes me kind of upset to watch the way he plays sometimes. He just Ross, Ross, if you're listening, which you're not, um, <laughs> stop thinking out there. Get the ball and run with it, man. Be the old Ross Barkley, man, that threw caution to the wind and took people on and made mistakes, but scored goals. And it's just sad because you're not coming back to this side. They said they had no interest in buying him, and they wouldn't. Why? Because Sanson will be in there eventually. Grealish can slide into that role as well, too. Um yeah. It's sad. Uh, I don't yeah, know. Look, if... he was my favorite player yeah. when he came, was coming up through the through the ranks at Everton, and it is sad to see. I know there's a lot of animosity amongst the fan base towards him, and that's totally, I think, warranted given his yeah. departure. But th- there's no questioning like what a special prospect he was on his way up through the ranks at Everton. And, you know, just everyone has that uh, hope that the homegrown lad can come up through and really kind of be an uh, – I don't know, a pillar of Everton for years to come. And I think Ross Barkley kind of represented that. Um, And yet another one that hasn't materialized, but yeah, he's, uh, he's not going to stay at Villa. It'll be interesting to see what Chelsea does with him in the summer, but he was horrendous today. I mean, offered them very, very little and you can say, okay, well, he doesn't really have a whole lot in front of him. Um, But I I don't know if that's an excuse for a guy who typically at least used to be able to create for himself. Um, bizarre times but and then just two minutes later after ross goes off we have uh i don't know the the cruise barge for the other cruise barge under please Gomez explain this to on me. for guilty please what? explain this i can't ryan me. i can't what what it's as close to a like to like substitution as you could make with like literally anyone else on our bench and it's shocking that look andre didn't was was pushed to the bench by tom davies last match Carlo maybe wanted to get him back in the mix, but to bring him on in that similar role to Gilfie in the final third where you're looking to create. I mean, Ryan, uh, is Andre Gomez good in the final third? Because I, I can't remember if we talked about it on the show before. I believe at one point we compared it to like the electrical dog fence, you know, where the dogs wear the little like shock collar. <laughs> yes. So like the second it's, it's like it's mystical thing that when Andre suddenly gets into the third, the final third, he gets shocked and like just falls apart and falls Instead over. Instead of the shock, it's just like your football ability just turns off. It's strange. I, I, you know, I hear, I don't like a lot of these platitudes, like he's a confidence player or things like that, but it is very strange. I mean, he just doesn't feel comfortable there. And I remember watching him back in the day with Valencia. He was a more aggressive player and had a couple goals in him and, and was a little bit more creative. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kieran Jennings nailed it to me at Kieran J underscore 1979. How he thought bringing Andre Gomes on to play off the left was going to make a positive impact on the game. Then God, then only God knows. Sorry. I almost went God only knows to quote my lovely beach boys uh, and Brian Wilson, but and and sure enough, well, okay, let's, all right, here's my logic behind it, okay, which I still don't agree with. We had no, we weren't seeing any of the ball. 
Andre is not a good defensive player, but as a blind pressing maniac, he does win occasionally the ball back. So maybe Carlos thinking, okay, look, we need to press higher. We need to bring our back lineup. We need to bring our midfield up. Andre can also win the ball and hold it a little bit, at least in the middle of the pitch. He's my guy. Maybe we can change and this will help do that. I, there is some merit to that, but really you've pulled your trigger guy off, you know, your main creative force in theory. And so what happens in the very next minute? He gets perhaps our best opportunity of the entire match. Um, it, yeah. It's not the most high percentage look given the distance from goal, but Andre takes it top of the box. He actually looks kind of confident at this point. Good Fake shot, shot like that. Unbelievable. Yep. And then pulls it back to his left foot and just skies one tries to curl it. Tries, and it's a good idea to try to like place it top corner or whatever, place a side net, but that's, that's an Andre Gomez well, shot through and through. It would have been a good idea for Charleston wasn't just staring yes. at him. I mean, right in his field of vision, begging for the ball on his right foot. I mean, just a little bit of a touch pass there. And I, I think it's a goal. I just I'm watching that and I'm sitting there playing this over my head. I'm like, OK, if you put anyone else in there that's remotely creative. You tell me Bernard doesn't see Richie there. He does. I think Alex does, too, because that's one of the things he actually does very, very well. I know. He doesn't cross well from distance. I got it. Yeah, great. We know he's not a right-sided player. Even Gilfie would have probably found him there or done better on the shot. But again, Gilfie wouldn't have been there anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. Right, I mean, right. that's just not reality. Uh, and Andre deserves some credit, though, at least for stabilizing the team slightly and being in the right spot. But um, to quote Leon Cummings at Leon Cummings 1, couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo is the phrase I was thinking of. 100%. It's just very wasteful. And as you said, uh -huh. I mean, if he hits the shot, we're not complaining about the miss. He skies the shot. We're saying Richarlison was wide open. <laughs> such a, such a good opportunity to, to go ahead with uh, just under half an hour to play. And then Villa decide to bring none other than Jack Grealish on in the 72nd. And within about 30 seconds, he's flopped like 16 different times. Yeah. He's part of like the English flop coalition. Um yeah, uh, it's ridiculous. The Callum Wilsons, the Ruben Loftus Cheeks of the world, uh, Barkley, like big strong guys that, that just made a paper when they get con when someone comes into contact with them. He flipped out too at Atkinson at one point after the dive. Like, are you you're really going to keep selling this the whole time? Are you serious? Like, it was just unbelievable. I mean, I, too, I wish Coleman would have been the one who didn't clip him because oh he would have just effed him up one side and down the other it was an absolute disgrace uh yeah i mean look treori looked out of gas sorry I, I have in the notes it's a pipeline joke for those who aren't aware there's there's an issue with main pipeline bringing gas to the east coast and no, no gas stations have gas right now it's kind of chaos oh, yeah, boy. yeah yeah i'm full my gas tank's full i'm good um yeah, Grealish did look a little bit of a step off, um, but he was playing in his familiar position, and we do deserve credit for dealing with him very well. I was nervous yeah. when he came on. He had a couple carried the ball a couple different times. Godfrey took him out on one that was just oh, absolutely fabulous it. defending. Um, and then finally, Carlo opts for Awobi, but again on the right. So look, I'm not saying that's the wrong sub because we know there we don't really have anyone on the right, and and Alex is probably our best option in isolation on the right. Is he great on the right? No, I don't think so, but he's going to take care of the ball. He's going to provide some effort to maybe beat someone. I don't think target was a good matchup 
for him. I think Awobi can beat him. And Target offered him room, too. I mean, it certainly helped yeah. with our possession. I mean, if you look, so look, after Alex comes on, I'm not saying this is all Alex Awobi, but I mean, look, we actually finally had the ball. I mean, we had about 50% possession, but we were eight to one in shots from the 75th minute on. Nine aerials to one. We were much, much better, but we just couldn't produce the goods. We did have some chances, though. Yeah, it did really feel like the substitutes did give us a little bit of urgency or pushed up higher and ener- I mean, right. Energized. No the rest question. Decorey was up higher. Alon was up higher. Sure. And you get a Wobi, obviously a little more capable in the attacking third than James Coleman, who is not a great cross of the ball as much as we appreciate his effort at all times. But yeah, we get in the 86 minutes. Uh, Dom almost scores. It was a great save from Martinez. Decorey almost gets the rebound. Wow. Then that one, I think, head. was the one. Yeah, I know. There were there were several. I mean, eight shots is no joke, right? So, um, and then there was, of course, the Tyrone Mings challenge on Dominic Calvert. Lou and Ryan, you're saying it's a straight red. I yes. felt differently, but uh, yeah, why? I, we talked about this. You did. You did not give me a satisfactory answer, James. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could ever provide you with a satisfactory answer. <laughs> well, to no, me, I, well, no, no, no. So, so just quickly. So, I, I watched it. And I thought it looked really bad. And then I watched the really slow-mo and I was like, good Lord, that's got to be a red. And then they played it on the VAR review a couple times in real time. And it's a bad challenge. The studs are right on his knee, but the knee's not planted. And I think he was trying to play the ball. It was just misplayed a little bit. I think that's one where if you could, you look at the VAR review, you go back and you give the guy a yellow, but you can't. And it's just on the borderline where I think, uh, a red might have been slightly harsh, and and what I take issue with is like people taking the still shot of Mings with like yeah. this evil grin on his face, <laughs> his studs going in to Dom, and it's like look the the same people who uh, who make the argument that the game's gone because and I tweeted this right after the match, but game's gone because they're deciding offsides by a still shot and it's millimeters would are, are making the argument now that based on a still shot you should give a guy a red card, and I I just think you you do. Slow-mo makes everything worse, and it is a bad challenge, but I, I, it's just not quite in the red uh, realm for me, but we can agree to disagree. Yeah, I, I, my, I, I will quote Law 12 within fouls and misconduct by the FA. I'm sorry. I feel like I have to build this up if I'm quoting something, right? Any player who lunges at an opponent and challenging for the ball from the front, from the side, or from behind using one or both legs – both legs. I'm, I'm sorry. That, that is kind of funny comment. Right? <laughs> Two-footed challenge. Right, right. Both legs. Like, you have an option of more than that. You know what I mean? Like, it's specified. Right. Um, with excessive force or endangers, the safety of an opponent is guilty of serious foul play. I don't know. I mean, to me, by the that's letter. That's vague to one. me, though, Ryan. Like, that's, that's a subjective interpretation. The same. We talk about this well, all the time. All right. I get that. But, I mean, short of him, like, going and doing some... Joe Rogan a spin kick. I mean, who by the way has an amazing spin kick. Uh, <laughs> I, know. I don't know. I, you know, maybe we shouldn't hold it against. This is me sympathizing with bigger people. Maybe we shouldn't hold it against Mings because he's a tall guy and he he's powerful, you know, but I don't know. I thought that was pretty bad, but, but anyway, of course it mattered because right in, right in the first minute of extra time where Charleston puts on, it's a pretty good low cross and Mings does a really nice job to get a hold of it. I think that's where they had the collision where once again, they were down for like, I felt like 10 minutes and somehow we didn't really get, I think they said what they were, I, they didn't give us, I thought enough free time after that. I agree. Frankly. That, that frustrated me and I don't get uh, why. Where's Alan Brody Premier, when you need him on that one. Right. Like why do the Premier League referees 
reward this and, and it did look like a bad collision and it could have very well been legit either way you add the proportional amount of time that yeah. he's down to stoppage time you I can't go under- down right. two minutes Just- into stoppage time take five minutes and then only get an extra two minutes after that it makes no sense that being said villa would have sat on that free kick that they had awarded how does he miss that one by the way davis literally is running with the ball oh. from like the 96 he hooks alon's arm Hooks Alon's arm. And first of all, the guy's a big guy, too. He makes alarm, you know, Alon look like a pipsqueak. Somehow, Alon gets called for a foul on that one. I don't understand that at all. Uh, that being said, you, you do kind of wonder here, that moment, 75th minute on, everyone pushing up higher. You know, Decore in particular was higher. Gomes was higher. Alon, me saying him higher is not really true. He's kind of sitting back supporting them. I, I just wonder, could you have made that move earlier? Could you have done something differently right. and put a little more pressure on him? One or two more chances. Would that have made the difference? I don't know. You don't want to lose a point either. I, you know, I, anyway, I, I mean, look at it. Look, we created more chances. There's no question about it. Um, I, I know throughout the, the prior 75 minutes, we didn't really um, maybe Carlo could have course corrected a little bit earlier, but still at the end of the day, I mean, should we have won the game? Should it have been a tie? What do you think? Well, I think that you look at the XG from the from the XG philosophy. Ah, one point one nine to Everton versus 0.68 to Villa. I thought that was pretty hmm. accurate, reflective of the overall performance. We had we talked about it earlier. Better chances, closer to goal, more chances in the end. Yeah, um, but just not quite enough there in the final third. A lot of balls played in that really weren't real full chances, kind of half chances, very difficult angles to score from. And, uh, you know, balls coming out of the air with not a lot of pace on them for Dom to get to. And so to me, a draw is probably a fair result to both sides. I think if we had won, I would say that we deserve to win, but I also, you know, it would have been a one, a one nil one way or the other you just think that that's probably how it would have shaken out. And that's how we've been performing, right? We've been winning by narrow margins. Yeah. And, and, you know, that doesn't translate into three points, of course. You know what I mean? Um, I I think there were just a couple moments where we just lacked quality in the final third. I think there were opportunities and we just didn't take advantage of them. I I really just go back to the Andre play at the top of the 18, where all he has to do is feed Richarlison. I mean, I think that was the one where it really opened up for us. And I think um, that was that moment you really needed the quality and it just didn't didn't come i think it's simple as that um carlo had an interesting interview at the end of the match uh he he thought we played all right thought we controlled the game much when we didn't have the ball especially in the first half but we didn't really create or efficiency i think he referred to efficiently attack off it i agree with that his also comment i thought was interesting the race will be decided in the last game um i also have been remiss if i didn't bring up the interviewer making some crazy correlation by you know, at home where the emotions there, do you need to get them more emotional? So they win at home or something. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're not fans in this state. I mean, like, are you not, I just, uh, I hate it when they try and go to these, like, it's all, I, I could pre-write the generic pathetic interview questions and the analysis for some of these guys that I swear aren't even watching the game. You know, it's all just like, I wanted to see a little more from him. Does he have to do a little better in that situation? Or yeah, I just, I'm like, dear Lord, can we please, do we have some experts in there that could talk tactics a little bit? Because he never asked any of those questions, which I think would have been interesting. You know, um, you say, uh, would you say that we weren't clinical enough, Ryan? No, oh, God. God, you know, how would we, I mean, that, that's that? accurate, but it's also, you know, it's just same stuff. And, and we, I say it too sometimes. So yeah, no, I, I look, I mean, you gotta say it a little to, bit. But... Sure. Look, there's a common language in football and I'm not going to get into the whole, you know, 
so societal linguistical argument here <laughs> um anyway before we get into the player performance is any last thoughts because i mean of course there were no knee-jerk or outlandish reactions on twitter or social media no never this is one of the first matches in a long time that i just well, I was working kind of so I didn't check Twitter after the match too much, but I know you were getting busy on there. I I can imagine the horrible, horrible takes. Carlo needs to leave. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's clueless. To me, it doesn't change the big picture one bit. We've talked about it enough, right? This just squad needs a couple guys in there to fill some very key holes and that will lift the collective quality substantially. We just didn't have it today. And I think Again, with with Hamas in that side, it's like a similar effect to having Jack Grealish for Villa. Like just so much of their creative output yeah, is dependent on it. But then and why think, do you sub out a guy for him that's just nothing like him either? I mean, yeah, I know. No, it, it's I'm I'm I've been honestly the last five or six matches I've been left scratching my head at a lot of the decisions made by Carlo. But it's also a function of the personnel. I mean, he could have put Bernard on, but. There's obviously a reason he didn't. He won't, we'll never know. He'll never tell us what that was, but obviously just not really impressed. Doesn't think he brings enough to the side. And if you, if Andre Gomez is the guy that he thinks brings more to the side, that says a lot about Bernard to me. Yeah. I, I question his sanity, but again, Carlo Ancelotti has uh, forgotten more about the game of football than I've ever known. Uh, and certainly yeah. shown to be a pretty good, pretty good evaluator of talent. Um, Boy, but that being said, you know, sometimes you can get a little too close to these things, too. You know, I, I hope at some point he sits back and takes a look because some of these guys really just aren't offering what we think. But 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 that being said, I, I still do have a lot of confidence that him and Marcel together are going to find us the right players and stuff. I just don't know what we do with some of these guys. Um, there were some good performances today. I, I wouldn't say anyone really stood out. If I had to pick a couple guys, though, I mean, I thought the two center halves looked pretty solid today you got to give him credit for not really giving up too much yeah i i honestly thought michael Keane did quite well look you mentioned this off air but it's not as if villa had a ton of attacking impetus and so i know and that's to why give the center has yeah you know a ton of credit is uh maybe a little misguided but you look at someone like michael Keane, won seven aerials um did really well across the board i thought he was pretty commanding uh looks very, looked very comfortable 86 percent passing um but and ben godfrey always continues to impress he's just such a specimen to watch on the pitch like his recovery pace if he misses oh, a challenge or something his ability amazing. to back is second to none which is why i i really look forward to a to a day in the near future when we could play a healthy yari mina with a ben godfrey at center half and i think that provides a really good chemistry yeah, and not to take anything away from Michael Keane in that regard, too. I just think Yeri kind of kind of supports the attack a little bit better, makes yep. himself a little better available, and is a little more confident with the ball, at least holding it at times. Uh, it was fun to see both those guys kind of rush up with the ball a couple times in the later stages, although yeah. at one point, Godford ran with it and lost it, and Keane was already caught up field, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, oh what are we doing? Uh, but the rest of the team at least adjusted. Uh, for me, I thought Luca Dean was excellent today. I, I know we we normally don't call him out. That's the funny part about it. Um, later, he had a couple bad touches. I think he was just worn out. But I mean, three of nine from crossing. I, I thought his crosses were dangerous throughout the match. And some of them were with pressure on him and quickly released. Uh, the lack of people behind our center forwards almost forced us to get it out to Luca and just fire it in there. Uh, three or four for long balls. Again, a little bit of that is the byproduct um of them playing very very narrow uh michael Keane was also three or four for long balls you saw him spray the ball a couple times to the wide places so so that that's a little bit of it um 
But I think what's impressive is that his passing was much better. His 82.9% pass rate. You know, he's been giving the ball away, I think, a little bit too frequently. We did not see that today. It took care of it well. Three key passes, and he was only dispossessed once and only made one bad touch. I mean, that's what I'd love to see from Luca Dean. I actually think he plays more creatively and better when he is picking his chances and taking his risks uh, rather than, you know, forcing the play a little bit. You know what I mean? And I thought he did that pretty well today as well as playing pretty solid defense. I mean, Traore is no joke out there. He can be, he can be a little tricky. Sometimes he's kind of an unorthodox player. Uh, I thought Dean was, was definitely a candidate for man of the match. Yeah. I thought he was excellent as well. I mean, certainly not his best we've seen from him, but just given how much we rely on him to create without Hamas at the side. Yeah. The, the three key passes were vital today, even though none of them really resulted in a goal. And I agree. I think he's, I think he can be a little bit predictable sometimes when he gets in the offensive end. I mean, yeah. you know, he's going to ping across in, but that's t- tends to be what fullbacks do. But yep. I think some of his like change of pace moves that he has where he'll slow and then like quickly accelerate. I think people are kind of catching on to that, but he did pick his spots really well today and was able to, you know, wait for guys to, to get into the box before he played. It wasn't playing it to anyone. He was patient. And uh, as you said, took care of the ball very well. And he had to do it by himself. I mean, he really had such minimal support from Gilfie. I mean, how often did Gilfie win a ball, go and play him through? It just wasn't happening. And, I, you know, I just, I, I can't not believe that whether it's Richarlison moving back to that position in a 4-3-3 or someone playing more in the left half space cannot do a better job of getting Luca Dean the ball in even more dangerous positions, you know, at least threatening to run around the outside or the wing or just, or, or using that to our advantage where you can cut inside and create a shot for yourself. And I just think that we had two guys on the bench that were much better fits for that type of setup today than Gilfie Sigurdsson. And I, I know I keep saying it, but it's just, it's irking me, man. It's got me bothered. And this isn't an indictment of Gilfie as a player. I think there's a tactics in the systems that he can work well in. He's great on set pieces. I love his tactical ability. Um, defensively and his technical ability that he's developed out of his own accord. He's a very easy guy to like, frankly, Gilfie, in terms of yeah. his commitment, you know, his commitment to being excellent. I mean, how can you not respect the guy? You know, I do. I just don't think he's the right guy in this setup. Um, all right, let's go down to some of the other lists. I thought we had a couple of other guys that played. Okay. Um, Seamus, he only had 27 touches. So I guess maybe wow. you could say he needs to be more involved. 13 passes. I mean, wasn't that involved? Um, he was early. I mean, he played all right here. I mean, he, he offered something down the right side. I mean, we just didn't have the ball that much. I mean, clearly you bring on someone like Alex Awobi. I don't want to give Alex too much credit because he's coming on and running against tired legs. And that's a big difference, right? You know, especially with someone like Awobi is pretty good in the dribble. But obviously he was way more dangerous on the right side than Sheamus was. Um could Seamus have gotten a little bit more involved, maybe a little bit more quality? I mean, he had four bad touches. That's not good. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I just thought it was a little bit sloppy. And when sloppy. we need sloppy, att- I think that's yeah, good. attacks down the right hand side. It's you know, he's not going to provide the same quality and distribution as a Luca Dean. There's it's a pretty standard Seamus Coleman performance. I think, you know, he's, he's always committed. He, he does a good job for a guy who's not the quickest of getting up and down the pitch when we need him to, but yeah. he's just not really able to, to deliver in key moments. I thought defensively he was fine, but again, Villa altogether, not very threatening and two for four on crosses. Okay. Two for two in long balls, but that 13 passes, I just would like to see a little more balance, but he also doesn't have a whole lot going on in front of him honestly so it's tough for him to be the only guy on that side who uh with a 
very few options to pass to. Well, we see it when Alex Owobi plays too. It's the same exactly. thing. You know, you cut inside, like Alex will cut inside a little more than Seamus. Although Seamus likes playing in the half space too. And what what's the option? You know, what's the alternative? Who are you playing it to? You're usually playing it back or playing it safe as a square ball, maybe. Right. I mean, DeCorey really didn't start to get into the play until we pushed him up later. Um, so you know, part of it's on Seamus, part of it's not. That being said, boy, it would be amazing to have a right back that could really put on the Jets, get around the outside and serve a ball. I think it would make such a difference in this team. You know, and obviously Hamez, I mean, I think that goes without saying. Um, I thought Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison weren't bad today. I mean, they certainly had their moments. I mean, Richarlison did a decent job creating for his teammates, for sure. I thought he was getting himself in some dangerous positions, didn't really get much service. And I'll tell you what, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, man, God, that chance in the 86, he got up there, man, and just attacked the ball. It was impressive. He almost came away with one. Um, he almost got on the end of a through ball by DeCorey later, too. I mean, he almost got clipped by the keeper. I wonder if he thought about going down. It's probably not enough. Um, I don't think he was bad. He certainly was pretty good in the air. And, and you know, Tyrone Miggs is the guy he's going up against a lot. One V one in the air. Miggs is good in the air, man, is a tough defender, um, even if he's slightly limited. I thought they were all right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, pretty par on par performance nothing spectacular dom winning seven aerials for charleston with two two and three shots respectively um i don't know it it's weird i i think as a partnership they have a lot of work to do a lot of improvements that can be made but as individual like i don't watch it and think that either of them play bad as you said but I also just feel like there's they're capable of so much more, especially Richarlison, which we know it hasn't been his best season. I just wonder if he needs something a little bit different, as we said, maybe trying playing him in off the right. And honestly, maybe. I think Dom, I think Dom maybe plays a little bit better as a as a sole striker. Maybe um, that, that's a that, good point. That additional support. I think if you got three guys up top too, I mean, you have a better chance of kind of supporting to him. I I also don't like the one, two up top. I almost would prefer to go Christmas tree if we're going to mm -hmm. do that. And maybe we'll help us get someone around them. But I, I still truly think the issue here is, you know, where Charleston was playing okay off Dom in the air, but if there's not that third person, at least to provide him support, I look, this wasn't the West Ham match where the second we released the ball, they were two V two, you know I mean? This time right. Villa Villa had some people behind the ball. Uh, in, in more numbers. I mean, Louise was sitting deeper and deeper. Um, McGinn was sitting deeper as well, too, as the second half kind of went as we started to pressure them. So I don't want to be too critical of them. Uh, and Decore is another one. I mean, you know, the one stat about Decore that I looked at that just drives me nuts. And again, this speaks to maybe, you know, the, the personnel that we had out there. Look, it's a problem. We don't have enough people in the team to take people on via the dribble. And we basically have two guys that are good in the dribble, Richarlison and, and Awobi. That's it. And unless you're playing them both, which isn't necessarily the best mix, Decore led the team. He was two for two in dribbles. No other player attempted more than one dribble. Wow. That's not, it's just not, you know, there's no threat. So if they're going to sit back like that, they were sitting very narrow. So Seamus in particular, that's another guy. You can't be target. You can't get around him. You can't provide something a little bit more than that. I, I just, yeah. we're just limited as a result in it. And, and I, I thought DeCorey played okay. You know, um, I don't think he was spectacular. He maybe was a little bit of a step slow, but for a guy that hadn't played at all, to jump in and play 90, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, man, I would have liked to see him do better with the one right-footed shot that, you know, was, it was high. I mean, it was not the easiest. Maybe a little more composure would have done better. Um, but look, I mean, it's no worse than, you know, Andre having another shot. He had, right. Andre had two shots of the 18, really. He had another one off the break that was played yep. in low to him that, I mean, 
you got to do better than that. I mean, it wasn't even coming in hard to you. It's right on your right foot at the 18 and you put it right into the defender. I mean, that was disappointing. Um, I, I also wonder though, I mean, if it's a different game, if you put in Davies, Alon and Decorey from the get-go and you push Decorey up a little bit and Decorey's the one arriving late when those services are going in the box. Cause he can be a handful physically. I, I, I thought he played all right though. Yeah, he was fine. Uh, it's great to see him back. He's, he's very important yes. to us. And, and honestly, it was a little surprising to me that he didn't have slightly more of an impact because I think we have missed him a lot um, in the, in the midfield with that level of energy, but maybe still getting back to that full fitness and he's not the most creative guy. So he does need guys around him to provide a little bit. And yeah. the fact that he, even though he's not that creative, he was one of her only players who actually tried to dribble I mean, look, when, when you're playing against a team that is going to set up men behind the ball like that and you can't dribble by anyone and get them out of position or out of shape and you can't counter press or uh, counter attack at all, you're going to run into a lot of different problems. You're yeah, and I think Carlo them. Carlo tried yeah. to counter press at the end. You know, that was the yeah. difference, right? And that did generate some chances, but it was it's too like, little too late. What's stopping us from doing that earlier? That's, that's what I don't get. Is it the, the personnel? Question. It's the legs? That's the question. It is. I mean, there's no reason why you can't push up a little higher in the 4-4-2. We showed that you could do it. Yeah, maybe it is the legs. Maybe it's the personnel. I'll tell you what, though. I, I'd, I'd feel more comfortable pressing up higher with an Alex Awobi out there than a Gilfie Sigurdsson. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he sh- I mean, Alex Awobi has our highest percentage pressing numbers in the whole, the whole team. Do you know what? Kind of interesting. Uh, only I would know that as his eternal apologist for whatever reason. Uh, bad. <laughs> I, I don't need to drag the Gilfie beating anymore, but you had 41 touches. I mean, your only shot is off a set piece. Your only key pass is off a set piece. You were dispossessed once. You had three bad touches. You were zero for two in crosses. I mean, literally, you contributed almost nothing from open play whatsoever. I mean, it's just other than one through ball to Richie, it's just gotten, to, you know, it's indefendable. I, I think it's just killing us. But anyway, don't need to beat that in the ground. Um, some interesting other comments, I think, from the listeners, with we, which we always appreciate. Yes, indeed. As always, we have... Uh... Listener comments here, starting with Dr. Defense at Dr. Defense, who said, disappointed to not beat a Villa side missing Watkins and parentheses, mostly Grealish. This Everton squad can be good if Allen, Dukes, and James are all at their best. Parentheses, September was fun. Uh, Indeed, it was. The distant past of September's gone by. Uh, He said, otherwise, as today, just not good enough. And I think that's totally fair. I also like the spelling of Dukes, like uh, Duke of Edinburgh. That was good. Um, He's right, though. I think that's the biggest thing. A full, fully healthy Villa side, a point on the road is no shame. They're a decent side. But today, as toothless as they were, as little threat as they had up the middle. I wonder if Carlo looks back on this and, and thinks, like like you said earlier, what was stopping us from playing up higher and pressuring them more, um, especially when they got tired. Maybe maybe he made the subs too late. You know, maybe we get one. I mean, it's hard to ignore that's, I mean, eight to one in shots the last, last 15. You know, all those chances actually had possession. I mean, it is hard to ignore that, man. Yeah, and I think uh, at Halifax, Dave Wander, Dave makes that point really well. Said, yep. loss really wouldn't have mattered at this point, so why didn't we go for it? Just dreadful attacking, so ticked off right now. And, and I think we did try to go for it, but it's just way too little, way too late in the match. Yeah, and David Molyneux says the same thing, right? At DMX551. That's how we've been playing and winning games. Thought, thought 
we could have in the final 20 minutes win one, basically. Villa were hanging on and should have been down to 10 men. <laughs> I kind of agree with that. Question, why not roll the dice with Josh King? Let me answer that one for you. First of all, Josh King isn't very good. I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, I really thought he was bought as a backup striker on the cheap because we were down. And I, and I think I think ideally, or maybe I'm selling him short a little bit. He did hit the post last week um, or hit someone's arm. I don't know. I haven't seen a defensive angle, but uh, <laughs> didn't go to VAR. Doesn't matter. Didn't happen. Um, the only issue I have with Josh King is he's not a naturally right-sided player either. So while he might have made sense, I mean, you're really going to take off for Charleston and Dom at that point. I, I don't right. think. Um, look, if one of those two guys got hurt down the stretch, you, we would have been very happy that we got Josh King. Maybe not Josh King, but at least someone. So I think that's really a warm this, body. Oh, that's the scenario I think we bought him for. And it permitted permitted us to let Jenk go out on loan, which again, he got hurt again. So maybe that's a bad idea. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's the issue. And again, look at what we generated in the last 15 minutes. You know, I, I thought we did fine with the people that we had out there. We didn't finish. I mean, maybe Andre was not the right choice. I don't know. I think we didn't roll the dice to Josh King because it just, I don't think the play merited it. No, but I think it's, it's a fair point to say that it is a fair point. It's not crazy. It's not like David's nuts. Yeah. I'm not saying no, not at all. Look, we've been, we've been setting up first and foremost, strong defensive foundation. And we've won a lot of games by not conceding and scoring with the minimal chances we create and look for a team. That's frankly, just not that great. Uh, that that is a reasonable strategy to take, but you just always want more, and you feel like some of these combinations of players could contribute more, and that's what's so so head scratching. Um, and we had Arnthor Askramson at Addisland say, first of all, he said uh, I, we asked for post match reactions on Twitter, and he said no just said no. And then about an hour later responds with this. <laughs> hey, I'll say this. We looked tired or not fresh is more correct. Many players had an off game. Richie Gilfie, DCL had so many bad touches. It made me pull my hair off. And Allen was so, so tired after 70 minutes backline solid as most of the time this season Villa had no chances. I think it's really important to note, like we really Jordan Pickford had basically nothing to do. We didn't talk about him this entire time, uh, which is always a positive in my mind. Definitely. Um, but I, I don't, I think Alan actually, I was pretty impressed with his uh, energy throughout. I thought, especially in the later stages, making that, although he did concede that questionable foul, uh, garbage, his, garbage his, call, but he did such a good job of tracking with him and staying with him. Cause he was coming from like the opposite end of the field. He's playing. He has a tough gig right now. You know what I mean? If he's yeah, right. like the last line, Angless. he's, he's he, look, he's missing some challenges. He is getting beat on a couple 50 fifties, but at least he's there, you know, and that that's the most important thing. And at least he's slowing these guys down, even if he's losing some of them. The, the only thing I disagree with was the idea that we had Richie Gilfie and Dominic Calvert-Lewin had so many bad touches. Um, I mean, they measure these things, you know, I don't think Richarlison had a disproportionate amount, you know, he was dispossessed twice. He had one bad touch. Dominic Calvert-Lewin had one kind of bad touch on a ball that he played in front of him, but that's a hard play. You know what I mean? It's tight in the 18 and he's trying to make a quick move and do it all at speed. You know, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. McDonald only had two bad touches the whole match um, and wasn't dispossessed once. So I think that's picking now Gilfia, of course, I'm not going to defend him. I mean, he was dispossessed once and he had three bad touches with 41 touches in a time where he barely made a bad pass because he created nothing. So I, I mean, that's different. These guys at least were trying to create chances uh, but Arnthor definitely gets one thing right. Villa didn't really have any chances. And, and his comment backline solid is most of the time the season is right. I mean, for the most part, they were today. Uh, but again, it kind of makes you think, hey, have confidence in your back line. Let's be more expansive. You know, you got it. You got it. But 
I don't know. I think Peter Rabbit makes a good observation too. Yeah, at Pete Rabbit 68 uh, said, seems like a lot of these games look the same. No flow to the play, disjointed attack, too slow in the midfield, poor passing in the final third, dot, dot, dot. Did I miss anything? We need Hamas in this lineup badly. Yeah, I, just what he brings in the final third. Like, I hear he that. Even... But Go again, ahead. the guy you're subbing him out for is the complete opposite type player of him. So, of course, there's not going to be any flow. He doesn't touch the ball or he doesn't get open. He doesn't make himself available. He's not holding it. He's not moving it. I mean, I think a big part of the flow problem is Gilfie Sigurdsson. I mean, I don't want to pin everything on one guy because we know we have deficiencies elsewhere. But to be fair, Ryan, like he has been one of the few constants in this team over the last several years. And these problems still persist. And when you're a player who's supposed to be so integral to the attack, it really makes you, I think, point fingers, frankly. Um, He is good at that. Yes. Best pointer in the league. I didn't see much pointing today. Maybe that was the problem. No, uh, but there was one point just quickly on Gilfie. Not again, not to pile on, but let me pile on uh, the camera. He was waiting to receive the ball and the we passed it backwards and the camera panned and we passed it around the back and then we move it sort of back forward. And Gilfie's like 10 yards to the left or right or whatever. And he barely moved. It's like, you got to just get put yourself around trying to receive the ball, make Villa move to mark you do that sort of thing. And he was very stagnant and a guy who, who typically has a very strong work rate just wasn't there. And it was poor, but yeah, I don't think it's a work rate too. I mean, I think, you know, you're asking a bit of him, but he's got to be up for the challenge. I mean, if I'm Carlo, I'm saying, look, I'm going to play you on the left. I need you to hustle and work to get in the middle to support the attack. Give your best. I'll yank you after 65. You know what I mean? You know, if you're worn out, but I need you to put forth the effort and really push this team forward. And he didn't really do that. And again, I'm not making a stylistic comment. I know he's not going to hold the ball like that, but you know, you just want to see him get in a little more dangerous positions. Um, what are your thoughts about the officiating? Uh, same as always, uh, pretty poor, but <laughs> same as always. Yes. We've been good accustomed to a certain level. Haven't we? It's true. It's like, and I don't, I, I may have said this before, but like, I don't think I've ever watched or heard commentary regarding a pro sporting event where people were like, oh yeah, the referees were really good today. We've like, done it a couple times on the pod, man. I've, I've said a few times, like, I, I don't think it was catastrophic. I don't think Atkinson was diabolical today, but he did give a couple soft fouls. Let, let Grealish get away with some stuff. And I think he probably like Grealish should be carded within 30 seconds of coming on the field in almost every single game that he plays. Uh, and we had uh, Andy Sieha with a good comment. He said Atkinson was pretty poor officiating, uh, pretty, excuse me, pretty poor officiating. Atkinson blue whistle during counter to let Grealish on. He also <laughs> let Ming stay on at the end when he should have been forced off. Not determinative of the outcome, but pretty poor. I'm not sure about the Mings thing. I mean, I've read a couple different things where people said, well, two people are down, but I thought that was people of opposing teams. Right. Why did he stop the play, by the way, on, on the Greeley? Yeah, I don't. Someone I don't was down, but they, it wasn't a head injury or anything. I, yeah, that, was that a, one that was a head scratch. We had a counter. I mean, that was, I, I joked. I was kidding on Twitter. I sort of got it what it was. Um, yeah, look, I don't think it affected the outcome, but. Um, yeah, a couple of quizzical decisions. Had they scored on that set piece at the end, I think I would have just absolutely jumped through the TV. Um, yeah, that oh would have God, been. Yeah. I know that would have been the defense. Um, 
So literally, literally, I mean, kind of look, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world that we took a point here, but we're just running out of runway. You know what I mean? That's yeah. really what it comes down to. And we're going to have to pull out two wins here in our next three and get some help. Um, maybe two wins and a tie would do it. I mean, that last match against man city is looking difficult, but I think circumstance may help if they don't play the full team, but sometimes look, their second team that's fresh might not be the best team that we want to face either. Right. Uh, but I think, Ian Alley hits it, you know, at 38 WCR where we are look okay defensively, but ponderous going forward. And yeah, I think that's where it was, but I, I really do hope Carlo takes a look and, and maybe changes some up in the next match because we've got to create more. Just like what, what's the worst that could happen if you drop Gilfie to me, Everton, as we kind of close out this season, three matches left, we've got Sheffield United, People get, get on my case for staying Sheffield as there are multiple clubs in Sheffield. Sheffield Only on United, Only on the Wednesday. Premier League club, Sheffield United, Aye. followed by Wolves, where there will be fans, Ryan. Fantastic news in that regard. And then we've hmm. got the City match. And Everton reminds me right now a little bit of uh, myself when I was in school in that we are waiting until the last possible moment to, to do things. I was the worst procrastinator ever, and it feels Everton feel very similar where Really, you got three games and you you really got to turn it on for these games. Otherwise, this whole season will kind of just uh, putter out with very little fanfare. And given how optimistically it started, it would just be a real shame to let this slip. Well, look, the bottom line is the addition of James and Mina uh, should help for sure. Um, I think it pulls Mason Holgate out of lineup, who has not been the greatest. And look, I mean, you, you can't. I mean, can't even argue. I mean, Hamas is such a massive upgrade over anyone we would put forward. So um, there are reasons to be optimistic. Yeah, totally agree. And look, if we can't, good God, if we can't beat Sheffield United Sunday, uh, well, let's just pretend that we will. And we can look forward to doing that post-match on Sunday with all of our wonderful listeners. So I won't even entertain the thought. Yeah. Um, so with that, folks, I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you very much, as always, for listening. If you would do us a great favor, and if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Come to the Discord. It's come like to the Discord. Vacation. It's like, come to Jamaica. Come to our Discord. Come to our Discord it's at invite.gg. Unless you're a jerk, then don't come. Yeah, <laughs> it's a right. nice, It's a nice community. Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We've got some great people in there. Uh, so do check that out. That's invite.gg slash ADP. You can also find that link and all of our other ones to social media at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. That's linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. Otherwise, we'll be with you next time. And until then, up the toffees. Toffees.